And welcome to Detroit Today on 101.9 WDET. I'm Stephen Henderson, your host, and as always, I'm glad you have joined us. It is Election Day 2020. Finally, it seems like this campaign has gone on for years, not months, and the level of anxiety and tension that I am picking up from people all over on social media and in other parts of my world is so palpable and so powerful. Before we start today, I want to say a couple things about today and the importance of today and the need for those of us who are really worried about potential outcomes to just kind of center ourselves and think it through a little more than just reacting. This is the oldest surviving republic on the planet. Our constitution has guided this country from the beginning through all kinds of turmoil and difficulty, but has always held us all together as a country. And we have dealt with all kinds of things that were a threat to that existence, including some of the things that we're looking at and seeing right now. But what's important for us is to remember that whatever it is that we're facing, whatever trouble we think is out there, is manageable. It's all going to be fine in the end. That doesn't mean that there won't be hardship. That doesn't mean that there won't be disappointment. It doesn't mean that we may not have to fight. We may not have to do things that, uh, that go beyond the balloting that we have that it may not mean that things just will magically resolve themselves. I think we live in a time when we're being asked to do more, to think more about what ails America, what ails our culture, and to think about the role that each of us plays in responding to those ailments. Voting is one of the things that we do to respond to that, and that's what we're doing today. But remember that whatever the outcome today, whether it's one that you favor or one that you don't favor, it's not over. There's more to do. There's more we can do. There's more we should do. There's more we have to do. And that's the reason not to despair. That's the reason to have hope. The hope is in ourselves and our ability to solve these things among ourselves and between ourselves, and the obligation to do it consistently. So keep that in mind as you go to the polls. Keep that in mind as you turn on the TV tonight and start watching the returns come in. Whatever happens, it's not over. This is the beginning. And you've got to keep your head level, keep your heart pure, and keep your nose to the grindstone right now in terms of doing the things that you know will make this country better. Okay, all hour today, I want to hear from you, the listeners, about your experiences here on Election Day. How are you feeling about things? And have you been to the polls yet? Tell me what's going on where you vote. If you vote in a Republican area, are you showing up and seeing lots of people at the polls casting their ballots. Uh, if you live in a mixed area where there's Republicans and Democrats, tell me how heavy the voting is. I drove by my polling place before I got in today just to see 
weather. I was going to have a long afternoon of waiting in line. And there was a longer line than I have seen before at that polling place. So I'm stealing myself for standing out in the cold for a bit later this day. But uh, give us a call. Tell us what you're seeing. Tell us how you're experiencing this. Tell us what you're expecting over the next few days and months as we go through this regular four-year exercise where we choose the leadership of our country. We're going to start here today. After four years of Donald Trump in the White House, voters are going to decide whether we continue down this path or if we go in a really different direction. It's hard to imagine a more contentious election than the one we're experiencing right now. It feels like the country is the most divided it has been maybe since the Civil War. Some people are worried that we're headed in that direction again. But we wanted to start the show today by looking at some of the most contentious presidential elections in our nation's past and try to put what's happening now into some context. In addition to what I was saying at the open here about us having the power, us having the obligation to change things, we also have the ability to put things in context and calm ourselves a little bit about what's going on. And to help us do that today, I'd like to welcome Mark Crewman, who is the founding director of the Center for Study of Citizenship here at Wayne State University, where he's also a professor of history. Mark, welcome back to Detroit Today. Hi, Stephen. Thank you very much for having me back. I also want to thank you for the eloquent introduction and discussion of the significance of the election for all of us and the importance of trust and persistence. Yeah, yeah. Trust. Thank you. I think that uh, it was an important reminder for everyone. Yeah. Trust is that is that word, I think, that we all have to use a little more and draw a little more from today as we go through this process. So I, I want to start the conversation with you here, Mark, and give you a chance to talk about this presidential election and how it ranks in terms of contentious elections in our history. As I said, there are a lot of people who think we are more divided now or as divided now as we were at the time of the Civil War. Um, but but how do you how do you see this choice and, and how does it compare? Stephen, I think that it's very clear that this is the most contentious uh, presidential election of my lifetime, and uh, and I think by far, um, even though we've had plenty, virtually every presidential election is contentious. Uh, virtually every presidential election, um, candidates make the argument that the republic is going to die if the wrong person is elected to the presidency. Uh, but this uh, this election uh, feels different and is different, I believe, because of the ways in which uh, trust has been eroded. I think that if we're going to uh, compare it, the comparison is probably 
uh, to the presidential election of 1876. Hmm. And, uh, but before that, I would point out uh, that, in fact, the Constitution has failed. Uh, that is the, uh, the refusal of Southern states to uh, accept the election of uh, Abraham Lincoln as president in 1860 uh, did ultimately trigger the secession of the Lower South and ultimately uh, led to civil war. Uh, the rescue of the Constitution uh, ultimately uh, was made at the end of uh, bayonets. So the uh, the reunification of our country after the war um, represented a, a restoration, uh, but uh, we do have to keep in mind that uh, that the Constitution uh, needs also a, a sense of um, the political legitimacy associated with elections. Mm-hmm. And it lost it in 1860-1861. I think that uh, as far as 1876 is concerned, uh, it reflected... Uh, something that uh, that we've seen in our lifetime, very close, often very close presidential elections, uh, which was the norm uh, after the Civil War, say from the early uh, 1870s uh, until 1896, hotly contested elections. Um, it was the election of 1888 where a uh, Benjamin Harrison received a minority of the popular vote mm-hmm. and yet won the in the electoral college. Uh, in 76, uh, the visions of war were still present. Uh, the fear of the tensions uh, approaching the election uh, were, if anything, uh, far more intense than the ways in which we are anxiously uh, approaching the result of uh, this presidential election. The Southern whites uh, had effectively uh, rebelled against Reconstruction, engaged in uh, terrorist uh, activity designed to uh, suppress the vote of black and white Republicans, especially black Republicans. Mm -hmm. And uh, and were uh, state by state overthrowing Reconstruction, and so it was in the midst of vi- this kind of violence, and this was not 
a, a group of people on a truck surrounding a bus were talking about murder, burning black churches yeah. in Mississippi in 1875, uh, a, a, a campaign of, uh, of, of terror, of great yeah. violence and yeah. terror, yes. And coming into the election, it was very close. Um, in, in the end, uh, there are certain similarities to what we have today, absent, I, we hope, uh, the, the violence. Uh, but where Tilden and Hayes, Tilden won a majority of the popular vote, seemed poised to uh, win the Electoral College vote was one vote short. There were, for for purposes of brevity, uh, there were challenges to the votes in Florida, uh, South Carolina, and Louisiana. And the, the... Republican canvassing boards who were responsible uh, threw out sufficient Democratic votes to uh, send um, effectively a an electoral college slate mm-hmm. of Republicans. At the same time, Democrats presented a slate of Democratic electors. Uh, the at the time the house was in the control of democrats and the senate was in the control of republicans and they could not w- reach an agreement on how to count the conflicting electoral college votes in the end, they appointed an electoral commission mm-hmm. and effectively gave control of the commission to one independent Supreme Court Justice, David Davis, who, and this is a note of trivia, had been Lincoln's campaign manager in 1860, <laughs> uh, but had become an independent uh, was then selected to uh, the U.S. Senate by Democratic legislature in Illinois. Uh, they thought they had bought his um, his vote for Tilden, uh, but in fact he resigned to enter the uh, the Senate, which left only Republican justices and uh, and. In the end, uh, the commission gave all of the electoral college votes to uh, to Hayes, yeah. and Hayes was elected. Uh, but literally, this was on the cusp of the uh, inauguration day. Yeah, and yeah. The, the it was really close. Yeah. So. so how did and then the issue then became do Democrats and Republicans how do they respond to it? Yeah, yeah. 
Um, I want to take a quick break here. And when we come back, I want to get to some of the calls that we're getting today on Election Day about what people are seeing and feeling about this choice that we're making. And we're going to keep Mark Crewman, professor of history at Wayne State University and founding director of the Center for the Study of Citizenship. We're going to continue to talk about what's happening today and what needs to happen tomorrow or next month or the next month. Keep in mind, we are making a choice today, but the work that is going on to reform this country, to make it better, to gird it and to wipe out some of the things that uh, make it really difficult for a lot of us to be citizens of this country. That work is just beginning. We'll be right back with more Detroit Today. WDET delivers trusted news, inclusive conversations, and cultural experiences that empower the community. 1019 WDET, Detroit's NPR station. This is Detroit Today on 1019 WDET. I'm Stephen Henderson, and as always, I'm really glad you've joined us. It's Election Day, and we're talking about elections. We're talking about today's election, presidential election, and how it fits into the context of presidential elections that we've had before. I think a lot of us are talking about how contentious this election is and the level of anxiety that people are feeling around it. And we have a tendency to think that it's the worst that we've ever seen, of course, that's not true in the history of this republic. There have been many contentious elections. We've got Mark Crewman, who's the founding director of the Center for the Study of Citizenship and a professor of history at Wayne State University with us. He was talking before the break about the election of 1876, another time in our history where there was real divide among Americans and where the presidential election was an inflection point for that divide. And uh, things had to be sorted out in a way that uh, probably made people quite anxious back then as well. We want to hear from you all hour about what your experiences are this election day. What are you seeing at the polls where you vote? Uh, is it crowded? Is it not crowded? Uh, how are you feeling about the choices that we are making today and the sense that things are as tense as they are. Do you feel like the election is a vehicle for change or are we just beginning the work? As always, the number here on the phones is 313-577-1019. That's 313-577-1019. You can also go to Facebook and Twitter, put comments there, and we will work you into the conversation. I want to start today with Anka in Royal Oak. Anka, welcome to Detroit Today. Anka, are you there? Good morning, Stephen. Hi. Hi. Um, what I wanted to say is your call um, and comments for us not to worry and be calm during this election, it comes from a position of privilege of cis straight people. I'm a trans woman. And you have inclusivity and security in this failed system. Trans and lesbian, gay, and bisexual people are endangered. And that's proven by a surge in violence against trans women these past four years. Mm -hmm. 
that has been um, pushed by this administration. Mm-hmm. So, you know, we now have a highly unqualified and pathetic excuse for a woman that's the new SCOTUS member, and trans, minority, immigrant, and indigenous rights are on the chopping block. The poverty of this country, the richest nation in the history of the world, and concentration of wealth and record profits of the 1%, particularly during this pandemic, seem to alarm everyone except the most privileged. And you know, secure, and you're secure from the discrimination and exclusion. There's no clearer message in that, I mean, the, the facts and the numbers, they don't lie, that this capitalist system is stacked against the majority. Mm-hmm. Events in the last year, all right, particularly uh, with the local police and national police, uh, law enforcement to intimidate and interrupt our constitutional right to protest, and even now uh, with citizens intimidating voters, you know, should drive fear into enlightened and knowledgeable citizens. Yeah. So your call, this, 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 what is that? What do so, you, what do you, so Anka, you don't see this? So Anka, I, I mean, I, I don't know how often you listen to the show, but we talk every day about inequality here on the show. I'm an African-American man who lives in a society and is raising African-American children in a society where, as you point out, things are not equal. And I experience discrimination in small ways, in big ways, all the time and have my whole life. So it's not that I don't see that. It's not that uh, it's not that, that I don't experience it. And I certainly, even though um, I'm not a member of the trans or, or gay community, it's not that I don't see the incredible discrimination that those communities face. I think maybe you misheard uh, me at the beginning of the show or maybe misunderstood. I, I, I think we need to be vigilant. I think we need to understand that the choices that we're making have consequence and power. But I guess what I was saying was be calm because this is just one of the choices that's being made and then the work that's being done to try to make America fairer, to try to make America better, to try to make America less of a terror for minority uh, populations. Uh, That work is just beginning. This is just one episode. This is just one iteration in the fight for equality. And so the calm that I'm calling for is, I guess, a contextual calm, that this is not everything. And yes, things have been really dark for a long time uh, in this country. And especially over the last four years, things have been difficult and and dark. Uh, But no matter what happens today, it's not over, regardless of the outcome. Uh, There is a lot of work to do. Uh, the vote is one of the tools we have to make that change, but it's not the only one. And I think the calm that I'm calling for is the understanding that this is an inflection point, but it's not the end of the discussion or the work. Uh, Anka, does that, does that make sense? So, yes, that does make sense. However, you 
don't face discrimination in housing. Right. African Americans don't. People do. African Americans don't. against us in housing. It's legal to discriminate against us in health care. It is. That's true. So once again, you're speaking from a position of privilege. Yes, of course. Tradition. You know, historically, African American people are all immigrants are to this country have experienced difficulties and not just know, historically, heart, Anka. Currently, if I try to sell my but house, is, but the fact is, you do not face discrimination in housing. Or in healthcare that I do. In healthcare, you don't think African Americans face discrimination in healthcare? <laughs> it is legally, it's legal to discriminate against us. I'm not saying you don't face it, but it's illegal to discriminate against you. Yeah, there's a difference there. Yeah, there there is a difference, and and we talk on this show all the time about the need to expand civil rights law to include people. Uh, who are discriminated against uh, legally uh, at this point, and and I, I don't want to I don't want to argue with you, Anka. I think we we tend to probably tend to be on the same side of this, and and I think it's really dangerous actually for uh, members of one discri- one group that faces discrimination to talk about or to to get after members of other discriminated against groups uh, about who's the who's the most discriminated against. I don't know that that's a particularly productive conversation, but I do love that you called and and pointed out that uh, you know, you feel excluded from what I'm saying and and I that's certainly not my intent, but I but I hear you. I hear what you're saying and uh, I hope uh, I hope that you realize that uh, African Americans and uh, members of the trans community have in common discrimination, what for whatever reason, legal or not, and that the call, I think, is for us to be able to work together to fight discrimination against everybody, not just one group or another. But Anka, I really appreciate, uh, I really appreciate the call and the great conversation uh, that, that we had there. Uh, let's go to Todd in Clarkston. Todd. Welcome to the show. Hey, Steve. Thanks for taking my call. Sure. Yeah, so um, I'm, uh, my wife is running for State House, Nicole Braden, for District 43, and we're going around to all the precincts today. It's really interesting that uh, Precinct 1 in Independence Township, that's where we vote. I voted there 100 times, and I've never seen anything like this before. The line is wrapped around the, the church, like wow. halfway around the church, and uh, I've never been there where it's not been, you know, where it has been out the door, actually. Wow. But then, it, interestingly, we've gone to other precincts, and it's just kind of not as busy. Um, I'm actually here with uh, State Senator Rosemary Bayer. She's been to a lot of precincts. She could uh, give you some more information if you're interested. Yeah, I, well, I mean, uh, giving us a sense of what's going on, I think, is 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 important. And, and I'm just curious, really, right, uh, uh, what people are seeing and and how how heavy the voting is in 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 various places. So I think we got a good idea from you, Todd. I really do appreciate uh, the call and the update. And and I want to say to the other listeners, give us a call too and let us know what you're seeing at at your precinct. As I said, at the place where I vote today, I saw a line that I have not seen uh, that I have not seen before as well. So uh, I think that uh, suggests that the voter turnout may be a little heavier. Than uh, than we anticipated. Uh, 
Okay, we are going to take another quick break. I want to thank Mark Crewman, who is founding director of the Center for the Study of Citizenship and professor of history at Wayne State University for being with us. Mark, it is always great to have you here. Thank you, Stephen. It's a pleasure to be on. If I could just say that Mm -hmm. all this voting speaks to the way in which contentiousness actually has led to greater voter participation, greater enthusiasm, and I think that that speaks very well to the health of our democracy. Yeah, no, that's right. More voting is a good sign, not a bad one. Uh, Again, Mark, thank you for being here. We're going to take a break, and when we come back, we are going to talk with a leading cybersecurity expert here in Michigan about how secure our elections are this year, something that a lot of people are trying to sow doubt about as well. We'll talk about what the state has done to prevent cyber threats to ballots. Stay with us for more Detroit Today.